it is not just enough to know that God is working in your life or in the world. You have got to know what He is doing exactly. That is the beginning of being useful. You have to know what He is doing with you as an individual and with the body. I've made mention of that for years. You must know what the Lord is doing exactly. The more reason I've been speaking about the Sabbath so that you will know that the tensions in your life, the threats, the pressures, although sometimes God will allow them to come because oftentimes the Lord used them to moving us to a better plane. You know, sometimes Comfort as is way of making us redundant, making us so comfortable that you don't even think of the need to press for more. So God knows how he orchestrates situations so displeasing and so challenging so that he can make us to push into the depth by those situations. But then it is equally important that you must understand what God is doing part-time by every event in your life. Well, that does not mean that you understand every detail in that event. But if you wait upon the Lord and critically ponder, you see that every event in your life is a pointer to something. Never you forget. Especially if you have been the type that would not do anything except you receive direction from the Lord. And then, in this um, truth, you must know. It's very important to do. Hallelujah. So, um, I hope that I will be able to complete our studies on rest. You know, I've been able to speak to you on Jesus our Sabbath, Jesus our rest, and also rest in God's provisions. But I want to do this last one, hoping that it would satisfy the desire of God. And by that we wrap up this series, then trust God that we open us up to another line of revelation. So this morning I will speak on what I've titled rest or resting in God's supernatural provisions and health resting in God's supernatural provision rest resting in God's supernatural position and health rather not rest and you know what I intend to do here is to tell you the Greek lexicon on Sabbath. I've not really done that. I only gave you the Hebrew word, which is Sabbath. And even while I was studying, I, s- I discovered that there's another word that is of the same meaning with the word Sabbath, but it has a very different root word. 
Actually, the word is not used as Sabbath in the scripture. It was used as, as rest. And the Lord gave them rest all around. So the word used rest in the Hebrew, lezikon, is not Sabbath. And then what it means is more deeper. Whenever you forget the whole idea of Sabbath is that you will see that there is provisions for you. It's trying to tell you that regardless of the challenges around you and the urgency, you must know that there is nothing you need that God has not catered for. It's there. You must only come to need to see them. If you don't see them, you won't benefit from them. So first see that they are there for you. Then from that point, you can begin to trust God that he will bring you into the experience of that which you have believed is available. So I will start so that we can have something to to drive on or to drive with by showing you to scriptures. And the first scriptures I'm going to read from Joshua. And the reason why I'm choosing that scripture is to show you God's faithfulness in keeping his promises. There is nothing he will tell you that he does not have the power to preserve. The question is, are you ready for what you are looking for? And do not forget the idea of of, of rest, Sabbath. Two things, actually. Number one, that there is provision for you. And number two, that God is teaching us the simple lesson of learning to rest. There are many people who have lost their life because they do not know how to refuse. They want to please everybody. They are workaholics. They are always here and there. Always working, never been tired. They work as though they are the ancient of this. I wonder we just see them fall down dead. Don't be amazed. Don't be amazed. And oftentimes when such a thing happens, you see people blame God. Ah, but after all, God, what what was God doing? What was God doing? They would not know that sometimes. One of the reasons why some people lost their life early is because they have not actually followed God. Apostle Paul said, follow me as I'm the follower of Christ. You see, things we see in the scriptures that are written so that we can follow them. The scripture says that be follower of those who by faith and patience, faith and patience inherit the promise. So the idea of Sabbath is the idea of learning to rest, learning to be patient, learning to wait quietly before the Lord, learning to see the provisions. And all of these things are very necessary to culminate into the spiritual significance of rest. But I want to show you certain scriptures. I would have loved to show you um, the same scripture I showed you in Judges chapter 2, I think from verse 13 to 23 or so, where after the Lord had given these people rest like a promise, they could not still perpetuate it. They cannot preserve it. They cannot subjugate it. Hallelujah. But let me just show you a few scriptures from Joshua, maybe two. And I'm showing you the scriptures in order to prove to you God's faithfulness, which is very key. Because if God 
will keep his word, then there's no reason why you should doubt anything. There's no reason. But the question you should be working on is, can I actually preserve this thing if the Lord gives to me? And I showed you in the last teaching now that God specifically warned the children of Israelites. Or now that he will do his part, but they should ensure that when he gives them the comfort and the rest he promises them, they should not look back. There are people who have sorted certain degree of success from God and after getting it, they bid God goodbye. So the idea of Sabbath is idea of creation, is the idea of devotion, is the idea of fatherhood, knowing God as your source, and knowing God as the one who has and who can give you everything you need to live on. Now let's see those few scriptures. I will just take two scriptures from Joshua to establish God's faithfulness. Then I will show you another scripture. To emphasize that even Jesus our Lord, who is a giver of rest, learned how to rest physically. Let me tell you this. If you do not culture the habit of retrieving or retreating, you are always on the field working. One day you will fall down dead. In fact, you won't even expect that you will fall down dead. Do you know how many people have, you know, had stroke? They weren't planning to have it. Suddenly, you know, stroke is not a thing you plan. You can be healed and let everybody see you and you get to your entrance and, you know, you just become so, so invalid. You know, and people have suffered that. Maybe before time, they've been telling them to rest. They believe that, hey, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. I'm not saying that it's bad to take medications and, you know, it's good to take medications because medications will even do you little if you can't simply learn how to stay quietly for yourself to meditate to pray to refreshing to sleep hallelujah joshua chapter 21 from verse 43 to 45 joshua chapter 21 43 to 45 and here we want to see god's faithfulness and god's promise of rest and now we gave it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God for you. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwell in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers and not a man of all their enemies stood against them the lord delivered all their enemies into their hands not a world filled of any good thing which the lord had spoken to the house of israel all came to pass Time will not permit me without taking through other scriptures. How that it is consistent with God to bring to pass everything he has promised certain people. Why is this very necessary? Because I still intend to show you, of the many things I will show you, how that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 tells us 
specifically that rest is a promise. Hebrews 4 1, there remaineth a promise. Lest the spirit of unbelief grows in you and you are not able to touch the promise. I'm giving a paraphrase of the scriptures. Let me pick the actual word of the scriptures. Hebrews 4 verse 1. God had left us a promise. There, there is a promise. Rest is a promise. The more reason why I'm emphasizing that if you have not been able to experience this thing, it's high time you cry so that you can enter it. It's an experience to enter into. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seems to have come short of it. Now, what I'm showing you is that is a promise left to us. It's a blank check. And everyone must come to activate it. I want to activate it in every area of my life. It's a promise. And you must not keep asking God about it if you have not experienced it. Yeah, I told you there are two levels. The one you observe when you came to Jesus, knowing him as your Lord, and the one you experience in that now you've known Jesus, now the Holy Ghost now becomes your comforter, who comforts you in all things. Hallelujah. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And you know what that meant? Before they got this land, they were in Egypt as slaves. And I've shown you in Egypt how that Pharaoh oppressed them, made their life bitter with burdens and bricks. They were afflicted. So deliverance from Egypt is deliverance from oppression. Meanwhile, although they were delivered from Egypt, they did not still have the rest. Because for 40 years, they were roaming about in the wilderness. So eventually, God brought to pass that which he promised them, the rest and you know, this scripture is indicative in that he told us that the rest includes that God delivered them from all their enemies who stood against them. He delivered them. In other words, he did not just only give them the land he promised. He delivered them from harassing and humiliating enemies. So, in these scriptures, rest is inclusive of the fulfillment of the promise to the fathers that has been able to assess the covenant of God to the fathers. As a matter of fact, even your line, there are promises in your in your family. Maybe your father got them. Maybe um, spiritually, that's what God has consecrated in your family. But nobody has been able to activate that prophecy. Maybe you're, you came from a family where everybody is a preacher or a singer. But nobody has been prosperous or have been able to meet certain levels of um, excellence or so. So you have got to learn to press. And one of the ways to press is to press in the place of prayers. And long prayers. You know, I've been emphasizing long prayers. If you cannot pray long, you are not ready for the assignment over your life. Whether it is in the industry, whether it is in the marketplace, whether it is on the property, whether it's on the streets or in the field, anywhere, wherever. Even if you are to be your career, there are people that their career is also the assignment, their lifetime assignment, I mean to say. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land. Now, you know, 
when you hear the word land you you think of real estate and that is what it meant literally it was the land the real estate but now as i begin to show you what rest means you see that it is taking possession of that which gives you stability what gives you rest of mind what become yours it could be a business that is your own land it could be your career that is your space it could be you know a ministry their own land their own space their own strength their own value system their own principle their own ministry their own prophetic word for the, for their lifetime and lord gave them all the land of which he has sworn to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and dwell in it you know i've told people that the nations of israel did not get to canaan after 40 years they got there after two years because they spent two years in sinai and after two years god told them to move from sinai and move ahead and when they got to kadesh kadesh was part of the place because we saw abraham live in kadesh Bini. the land beginning from kadesh Deuteronomy chapter one they had to spend send a, a spy because they are close by so they were on the property already the only problem was that they could not possess it so there's a difference between being on the property or being in the environment of where God wants you to rule and possessing. Being employed in an organization and being a voice in that organization. There are two different things. So now the Lord gave them the land and now they possessed it and the possession is measured by that they dwell in it. It is now working for them. Verse 44 says that the Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had shown to their fathers now see that he gave them the land they can dwell in it then he gave them rest in that there was no kind of any invasion invasion of animals invasion of enemies in fact the scripture told us that the israelites had to subject certain cities they could not wipe out to tribute that is a manifestation of dominion the ability to enforce and subjugate enemies that is rest. He gave them rest all around according to all that he had shown to their fathers. Now, you, you see that in the scripture, we, we still find that there's a repetitive of the word according. According. You see, whatever God is doing with you did not start with you. Somebody had touched it or somebody had a dream or somebody had an inclination or it is a reserve calling in your lineage. And that's why I've got to, you have got to value whatever God is doing with you. The more is when I started when I started with the statement, you have got to understand what the Father is doing in your life at time. So that you won't fall into errors. According to what you have shown to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. So rest also include being strengthened. It also means God increasing your capacity to be able to stand the stretch, the stress, the pressure, the tension, the threat, so that you will not give up. Man always ought to pray and not to faint, so that you will not faint. If thou faint in the days of adversity, thy strength is, is small. So it strengthens you that the God of our, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him, that your eyes of understanding be enlightened, and you may know the purpose of his calling, and that you will know the greatness, the exceeding greatness of his mighty power towards you, the great exceeding power of God towards you will believe. 
Hallelujah. He strengthened them so that their enemies cannot stand. So even if there are oppositions, they will not be able to weigh you down. That's what God is saying. That's stress. That's stress. That's rest. Ability to withstand. That which exact, that which want to exact you, that which want to, to bring you down. It's not confrontation, it's not both face God is in here. It's stamina, it's capacity, spiritual capacity. To stand the horrible, unfavorable, satanic atmosphere around you. And not a man of their enemies stood against them. It, it, the, the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. You see that? One, they cannot stand against them. And should they come to attack them, the Lord put them into their hands. They become victims. So, by divine design or by the intention of rest, what God intends to do is that he would not want situations to swallow you up. No, he does not want it. Not a word fade of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Now, what I really want to focus your attention to is the integrity of God. That anything he has said, he will bring it to pass. There is no reason why he should doubt. Now, look at Joshua chapter chapter 23 verse 1. Now, it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel. A long time. The rest was there for a long period. Whatever God is doing for you is not just for a while. It's not just to relieve you of tension. Oh, maybe because um, you, you you have got to pay certain bills, your tension is up and God just fix you quick. You know, God is not just about giving you a, a quick fix. The other day I was praying, I said, God, I, I'm not, I don't just want a quick fix. Settle certain issues in my life permanently. Settle finances permanently. Settle ministry permanently. Although there will be a need to press further and to move from levels to level. Okay, but... That you have got to enter into the blessing where that you know this aspect of my life is settled. Finances is settled, marriage is settled, career is settled, ministry is settled, parenting is settled, relationship is settled. After a long time. So it was not just a, a thing he did just to, to, to calm them for a while. If the Lord is giving you rest, it must come to stay with you. It is in staying with you that it becomes evidence to people. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies about and Joshua was old and advanced in age. Now the idea of rest here is that which God is giving to you in response to the longings of your heart. That is one idea. Rest is receiving God's provision as that put in place for you even before you arrive. Rest is consciously acknowledging God's love and provision. God's care for you. All of these are very important. But there's another dimension of it I want to see quickly before I begin to alight some of the things the Lord put in my spirit. And that has to do with maintaining good health. Never you forget that scripture I showed you in Luke chapter 1 when I was speaking on the four dimensions of growth. Luke chapter 1, I identified that there are four degrees of growth. I have mentioned the physical growth, the spiritual growth, intellectual growth, and the relational growth. Then from Luke chapter 1, I illustrated that by saying that there is um, growth in stature, like we saw Jesus Christ grew in stature. We saw growth in intellectual capacity. Jesus Christ grew in wisdom. Spiritual growth, it was in favor with God. And physical growth, it was in favor with man. Luke chapter 1, verse 80. 
all right and we read of john also that he was he, he grows physically and he was also strong on spirit so there are dimensions so to actually have rest this rest must permit every of these dimensions every of the sphere of your life and let me tell you this if all there is in your life is a single dimension i mean to say it's just an angle to your life it's very bad the lord have told me about that a man is made of different components is a spirit he has a soul the part of him that responds i mean that responds to situations around him and that includes his emotions his intellect and his will then he has a body by which he makes contact with the physical world but Whatever he becomes in the physical world, however he lives in the physical world, is a direct response of the conditions of his soul. Now, I said all this to say that rest must not just only touch your spirit, it must touch your soul. If after you have entered that terrain, there will be calmness in your emotion. All this agitation, anxiety, restlessness, and emotional outburst, suspicion, anger, hatred, you know, transfer of aggression, they will subside. Nobody will, will be attention to you, okay? Hallelujah. I've got to run. So it must touch your spirit, it must touch your soul, and it must touch your body. And where your body is concerned, you must learn to rest. Any work that does not give you time to have personal rest is not God. I'm telling you, does not have time, give you time to study the word, does not give you time to worship God or to worship with fellow believers. It is the devil and it will, it will, it will ground you. I don't know, except the Lord is giving you a commitment or except that maybe your consolation is periodic breaks or... um. Or annual leave. Aside that, any work that does not give you a second thought to rest, to reflect, to think, to meditate, to plan your life, ah, it will it it will destroy you. Because after working on that job for a few years, you see that it seems that God is drained out of your spirit. You see that some of the things you have been delivered from, you now go back into them. You slide into them indirectly, unconsciously, carelessly. And that's one of the things I'm going to be showing you. One of the reasons why you will not enter into this rest is carelessness. It's lack of consciousness. Apostle Paul said, let us fear lest the promise being left us, we, we are not able to enter it. Through insensitivity, through hardened heart. He said, today we hear his voice. He said, do not harden your heart. His voice and openness of your heart. Another thing is unbelief. They could not enter it because of unbelief. These are the things that creeps up our way, that, that barricades that which God wants to do through us, that will not make us to see what God wants to do. And let me say this about unbelief. Unbelief is, an, is, is the inability to see the capacity of God and to see what he has put in place for you. Because once you know that things are in place for you, rest. You rest. Anxiety is an indication that you've not entered the terrain of rest. And that is being worked up over nothing. Over what you lack or what you don't have at hand. You see, as believers, we don't just live by what we have or what we don't have, what we see or what we have not seen. Faith is a substance, but a substance of what you've not seen. That is amazing. That must something be a substance you've not seen. A substance should be something that is um, that is um 
that is obvious, that is conspicuous, that can be touched, that can be pointed to, you know, something that is um that is that is material that can be seen. But in this case, the Bible says this faith is substantial, it is really low, but you can't see it though. Oh, glory to God. So there are a lot of intangible realities which are really substantial in the material world but the reason why we do not place a value on them is because since we do not see them we think they do not exist may the lord bring you to the understanding that the world runs on principles for instance some of the things you see in the world they are actually a system that erupt from an invincible system or scheme put in place I showed you Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 the other time. Where Apostle Paul talks about the, the prince of the air that is controlling the system of things. Which invariably leads to the attitude, to the responses, to the behavior, to the character, to the inventions and all the glamours we have in the world. Meanwhile, all of the things you see, the scriptures say that there is a power that works behind the scene. And until you begin to build a spiritual system to discern things. May you not fall a victim. Now, let me show you a dimension of physical rest. And I want to show you that from Jesus' own word. You know, in the last time I read to you Jesus' word in Matthew chapter 11, all that he said is a giver of rest. All that he said when we come to him, we will find rest in him. But we saw Jesus also himself observing the physical rest. Now, let me show you that from Mark chapter 6, we are going to read from verse 30 to 33. Mark chapter 6, from verse 30 to 33. I hope I will be able to go far. But one of the things I want to show you, maybe two things. One, to check the lexicon, the Greek and the Hebrew lexicon of the word rest. And two, to show you why Jesus Christ heals on the Sabbath. And I will round off by making you see that Jesus is your rest. Jesus is your rest. If you have Jesus, that is the hope that we have rest. The Bible said that Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, mark it. It didn't say Christ in us is glory. It says it's the hope, is the guarantee, it's the leverage we have that we can touch the glory of God. That we can touch the grace of God. We can touch the provisions of God. And never forget that the provisions of God is another word for grace, charis, that which God bequeaths on us because of His love and kindness towards us. Or is a list of all that God had given to us freely at his own expense. That's grace for you. It's not a particular item. It's everything God has given to you. Salvation, earth, forgiveness of sin, confidence, wisdom, relationship. Whatever God had given to you. That has to relate with your redemption, which is spiritual gifts and material things. That has to do with your sustenance on earth. Is divine power, the power of the gospel. Had given unto us everything that pertains to life. And God kind of life. Natural life and God's kind of life. Alright, let's leave that. Now, let's look at this scripture. Mark chapter 6 from verse 30 to 33. Then the, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Now, you know, I don't want to pick this, but if you are conversant with the scriptures, you see that two words or three are usually used to refer to the um the disciples of Jesus or the apostles. Number one, sometimes they will be called believers. Jesus Christ spoke to the Jews who believed in him or believed on him. They, they are believers. Okay. Sometimes they will be called the disciples of Jesus. Students. 
men who had come to bound themselves on Jesus to learn. And sometimes when it comes to mission works, when they go out to preach, when they go under the authority of heaven to establish the kingdom of God, they will be called apostles. And that shows us three degrees of growth in God. But let's put that for another time. I taught that already on the four dimensions of growth. Then he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. That, that, that's my emphasis. Verse 30 again. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things. They've been anointed. They've been, they've been given the power to heal the sick, to cast out the demons. Okay? But when they returned, they reported what they have done. They told him what they have done and what they have taught. They look at Jesus' response. He didn't say, okay, go out the second time. The scripture said that Jesus said to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place. And Jesus Christ is often found doing this. In John chapter 5, yes, I think John chapter 5 or so. Is it 5? Yes, John chapter 5. Jesus Christ failed. It was 5, yes. He failed the multitude in chapter 5. Then in chapter 6, the people around were looking for him. And they could not find him. He had gone to the other side. And in, in the gospel according to Mark chapter 1, the scripture will tell us often that Jesus Christ will withdraw to pray and meditate. Well, he does that spiritually to renew himself. But I believe much more to actually recuperate. At a particular time, we saw Jesus Christ in the boat sleeping, resting. The Son of God came and rested. So one of the ways to receive revelation one of the ways to recuperate one of the ways to function at your best is to learn to rest when you need to and he said to them this jesus christ talking come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while and why did he say that jesus christ continues for there are many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat some people are so worked up from the very time they get out of bed to the dusk, I mean, to the evening time, to the uh, nightfall, they will not eat anything. And ask them, why didn't you eat? They have been busy since morning. May you not be stupid. May you receive from God the wisdom for life or the wisdom to live your life and to manage your health. Jesus said, come aside. So Sabbath is a deliberate and a conscious withdrawal to renew strength and to recuperate where health is concerned. I think I said it all. Look at verse 32. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Verse 33. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them to come together. You know, Jesus Christ would have said, hey, we have a number of people to attend to, we can't rest to. He said, look, let's close this business for two weeks for a break. May the Lord give you understanding. Alright, from the scriptures I've read so far, let me quickly highlight four things. I don't know how to run because I'm not beginning to touch some of the things I want to touch. Maybe after this, I will look at the lexicons, Greek and Hebrew respectively, Unrest, and then if there is more time, I will do some few things more. Maybe look at why Jesus Christ healed on the Sabbath, and that's the climax of the teaching. You've got to know why he did that. Then I also intend to show you how to enter into the rest of provisions by showing you 
supernatural provisions available for you. I wish I would be able to do that. And now to enter rest in the place of your health. And to see that Jesus' healing on the Sabbath, which was the major reason for the controversy between him and the Pharisees, was to demonstrate that the rest God promised mankind had come and he is the rest. Okay, now let me first alight four things, then we can begin to move ahead. From the first scripture I read, I read it to show you God's integrity. And there I intend to show you God's integrity in giving the Israel of God rest all around as he has promised. A way to say that God is faithful. And a way to say that rest was the promise of God. There remains a rest as a promise. And a way to say that there is a need for you to press into that until it becomes your experience. And how did the rest come to them? The rest came in having the land of Canaan. And for having it, in God also strengthening them to dispossess the enemies. So the rest, the Israelite lies in receiving the land and receiving spiritual capacity or ability to dispossessing the enemies. So a way of saying that, rest also include being strong in God and being courageous. And let me say this. You can take possession of new grants for God. You can take that new mountains like Caleb added. You can have new terrains. You can launch to the new frontiers of your life. All you need is strength. All you need is courage. God can make you strong so much so that you are fit enough to dispossess, I mean to dispossess the strong enemies and occupant of your promised land. And your promised land could be your space of influence, your career, your ministry, anything that is dear to you, anything that you are working towards, anything that is your ambition, but primarily your lifetime assignment. So you can be made strong so that you are fit enough to dispossess the strong enemies and those that have occupied, uh, who are presently the occupant of where God is taking you to. So your promised land can refer to your desires, can refer to your dreams, can refer to your craves, can refer to your goals, and can sometimes talk about your essence, your lifetime assignment. Then, number two is that, that scripture I showed you, you see that Joshua was about to address the whole nation of Israel, and he addressed them in two ways. First, he had to gather all the elders. He spoke to all the elders. Now look at um, Joshua chapter 23 verse 1. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies about that Joshua was old and advancing it. And Joshua called all for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, time will not permit. He began to narrate to them experiences of the past. He began to show them the acts of God in order to make them to come into allegiance. Now, by that, I want to say that there is a need for spiritual guidance for you to appropriate that which God wants to give you. Because there are always need for spiritual elders who will show you, who will mentor you, 
and we will direct you into having that which God wants you to have. So we need leaders who will show the younger generation the acts of God and his faithfulness. We saw Joshua rehearsing before the people the acts of God amongst them, even before a host of them were born. He encouraged them to serve the Lord. And the scripture recorded that the people served the Lord in the days of Joshua. That is very interesting. They served the Lord in the days of Joshua because he mentored them. But as soon as that man died and every elders who walked hand in glove with Joshua, the Bible said their people no longer knew God and they slide back. So you must not just be, you know, desirous to have that which God had promised you. You must learn to bring your children into this same experience with you. May this be said of me that I made men follow the Lord. And that's my goal. But then, the key to Joshua's success in ministry is service. Very committed, just like Elisha, who poured water in the hand of Elijah. Service. That's one of the things. Jesus Christ said, if a man is not faithful in another man, he will not receive his own service. He followed the Lord only. That's what the scripture said about him. Joshua directly served Moses. He followed the Lord with all of his heart. In fact, God bore witness of him. He said, my servant Caleb and Joshua are not so. They followed me with their whole heart. May that be you. So he followed the Lord. That is, with undivided attention, without hypocrisy. Not even because of what he intends to gain. As a matter of fact, Joshua even did not know that is going to be the um, the successor of of Moses. He had faith, strong one, was so disciplined, positive mental attitude. All of this must combine to be who God wants you to be. So Joshua wasn't or didn't just tell the people to be certain people who himself had not been. He showed them who he had been. And the scripture says that all the days of Joshua, they walked with God. Hallelujah. Another thing is that you must know that rest is a gift to you and for you. It is a gift. You don't get it because of your struggles or your gira gira your run here and there no you have got to walk in the consciousness of abundance and that is one of the ways to entering into that terrain of abundance know that it's there for you and eliminate this anxiety this uh this ego this um this uh, insufficient mentality that is not enough that makes you to to be to be envious of others Never you forget that. Rest is God's gift to you. You don't have it by your strength. It's good to be diligent. It's good to be hardworking. It's good to be smart. It's good to go to school. But you have got to know that one of the things that will make you is the favor of the Lord. It's hand upon you. Psalm chapter 5 verse 12 says that, the Lord will bless the righteous. He will compass him around with favor like a weapon. So favor is a tool you've got to leverage on. So you are not just to toil upward. No, there is a divine empowerment on you to prosper you. After the seventh day, God did not say, well, I put things in place, then begin to look for them. 
the scriptures that God blessed the seven days in order to release his best to you. So God is not just trying to make you so far so that ah, you can learn to appreciate it. No, he had actually empowered you to attract to it. So you have not got it yet. Something is missing in your life. You're not getting certain things rightly. So never you forget that God has a gift for you and that gift is rest. And you're not just to turn upward. There is a grace of empowerment to prosper in your life. Hallelujah. And consequently, never you forget that there is always a land to possess. But whether you will possess it or not depends, is determined by your total surrender to God's revealed intentions. And let me tell you this, if you are still the one not too giving to God, you must know that sin makes your enemy stronger than you are. Another thing I would like to say is that Think of supernatural intervention and provision in every facet of your life. Don't just trust your arms. The Bible said they got the land, not with weapons. I think that should be Psalm 42. I'm not so sure. You see, it was not by their own strength that they got the land. Not by their own labor. But the strength of God. The favor of God. Hallelujah. Not by their strength. So never you think, hey, you are wise enough, you are strong enough, you are connected enough, you know, you are smart enough, and you know, all of those. In fact, all you have acquired for years, you can lose them in two days. In fact, two days, in a second or so. They got the land, not by their hands, I wish I can show you those scriptures. But the harm of the Lord. By the harm of the Lord. So you have got to, 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 to factor in or to acknowledge the, 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 the harm of God, the involvement of God in your life, which is very key. It's by the harm of God. Okay, it was Psalm 44 verse 3. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right and your arm and your light of and the light of your countenance because you favor them. And that is amazing. Verse 2 says that you have drove out the nations with your hand, but you but them you planted. You afflicted the people and cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. And that is talking to you. You won't get it by your own strength. Nor did their arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, the presence of God, because of favor them. So your arm alone is not enough. You've got to let go of factoring in his favor. So every man that had risen rose because of supernatural provision. They, they entered that terrain. Look at the case of Jesus. Upon a time he needed to pay some tasks, he was cashless. He knew where to get money from. He ordered Peter to go to the river. And from there they caught a fish and the fish carries what they need per time. How did Jesus Christ knew that there was such a provision? Supernatural did. After a three days meeting, the people who came had not eaten for three days. They fasted for three days. Total fast. And Christ felt well, there's a need to feed them. They were in the wilderness. They could not get fat. You know, 
Philip said that, look, even a year's salary, that was what Philip responded. He said, a year's salary is not even enough to feed these people. If I had worked from January to December, we can't feed these guys. And right there, Christ showed to them provisions. So you can have your 10 years salary in a single day if you can just see that there is a provision for you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you've got to come to the place where you place premium on the word of God and what is telling you part time. The more reason why you have got to be sensitive. There was another case also that Jesus had to um, swing up that supernatural dimension of provision. Hallelujah. Okay, look at the case of Jesus' uh, Passover. The disciples came to him and said, Master, where would you want us to make Passover for you? He said, I'll just go out of the city. You see a man carrying a pitcher of water, followed him, and we, whichever house he entered, ask him that where is the guest room because we are in need of it, or the master is in need of it. Now, look at it. There was a need for a particular location for the Passover meal, which is going to be the last of his kind for Jesus. They needed the location and when they told Jesus Christ where they would have it prepared, Jesus was not worried or was not trying to be bothered or trying to raise money to rent a place. He knows where to get the location from. A particular time also, he needed to go to Jerusalem. He needed an ass. He would not save up or go and rent one. He knows that if they go out of the city, the next city or the next village, they will see an ass. They should go and get it. Do you want to think of Elijah being fed by a raven? Or Abraham being strengthened to conquer five kings? I mean, to conquer King Clehodoma that five kings have not been able to check. There's a supernatural strength, there's a supernatural provision. And don't know that they are there. Always trust God to bring you into that dimension. And you have got to know that Jesus is not just only your rest, is your protection, is your refuge. Look at that scripture. The Lord made them strong. That's Joshua chapter 23. Such that their enemies cannot stand them. There's a refuge for you. God will not give you what he will not protect. Honor thy father and thy mother so that their day may be long. So that the Lord may bless you so that they may be long. I don't know. That is Ephesians chapter chapter 6, I won't go there. But what I want to pick from that scripture actually is that so that the Lord will prosper you and that the day may be long. That this God will not give you what you will not have the time to use or to benefit from. He will not give you material or financial breakthrough today and kill you tomorrow. He won't do that. He won't even bless you in the first place. So if the Lord is blessing you, will not bless you today and kill you tomorrow. That's the point. He's your refuge. Jesus is our city of refuge. A place to hide. A place to, to be secure. A place of comfort. No, I want to show you a scripture. Um, you know, as Joshua was dividing the cities, in Joshua chapter 20, he had to consecrate certain sites, certain locations as a city of refuge. And that place is meant for um, people to seek solace. It's just like an asylum where to go and hide if there is an accidental event that leads to the death of a person. So that they will not be avenged, they run there. 
So, just as God designated to those people, not just the land, but the place where they can be secured from untimely death, the same way in the possession God is giving to you, God has factored into earth and insurance. He has insured you. He's not just blessing you. He insured you. Honor thy father and thy mother, so that thy days may be long. He bless you, or he blesses you, and yet, you know, he makes you to enjoy the blessing. So, Jesus is our city of refuge, as we saw in Joshua chapter 20, and the devil is the avenger of blood. And you are the accused. Every problem in your life is just an accusation against you. But never you forget that you have an advocate, Jesus, your judge. And that's why if all you know about Jesus is just that he's a savior, well, fine and good is good. The devil may cheat you sometimes because there are other dimensions of him you have got to assess. He's the savior, he's your lawyer, he's your judge, he's an advocate. So there is no reason why you have to hide yourself from him. And never you forget that the devil is your avenger, he's your accuser. He accuses you every now and then. The devil is the accuser. You are the accused. But then... Jesus has delivered you from the power of darkness because he removed sin from you. And if you are still under the yoke of sins, you know, some people believe that they are sinners because they sin. No. You are not a sinner because you did something wrong. Sin is your nature. Sin is a nature in you. It's a being in you. So you are, even if today you are a moralist, you are very perfect, very disciplined, there is nothing obviously wrong about you there is nothing you've done wrongly obviously you are still a sinner because of the traits i think david had a glimpse of that to said, in sin my mother conceived me he's not talking about the sexual intimacy between his father and mother that resulted into him it's just about the fact that man re- receive their offspring in their fallen state and their children inherit that nature so it is our encounter with jesus that eliminates that nature which invariably brings us into a dimension of God's rest. That's what I call observing this rest, this holy day. There's a new day for you, there's a holy day for you and Jesus is that day. And oftentimes sin, I mean, or sins are committed unwittingly because of the damage of the fall and the blindness of man's heart. That is some of the things you do, you just do them not because you want to do them. Sometimes you do them frivolously, sometimes on impulse, sometimes unconsciously. Sometimes something just came over you. That's why you need the rest for your soul. Jesus is our Lord giver. Jesus is our judge. Jesus is our high priest. He's on our case. He's the advocate. Alright, having said all of this, now let me quickly, uh, that's all I do. Let me say this. Why did Jesus Christ heal on the Sabbath day? Because there may not be time to do that critically. He used on the Sabbath day to say that he is the Lord of Sabbath. Let me pick that scriptures because if I can't touch it, if I'm able to show the scripture, I think I would have done something also. He is the Lord of Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, verse 27 to 28. There are two statements there I want you to see. He is the Lord. Of Sabbath. Oh, glory to God. So I have a place to rest. I have a place to rest. I have a father that cares for me. 
So my soul needs to rest. Each time is troubled. So each time you are in agitation, you, you, you just lost your peace. You know, let me tell you this. One of the ways God speaks is that he withdraws your peace at a particular time. If he wants you to pray the more or if he wants you to act on something spiritually or he sees that the devil is planning to attack you and he wants you to take an advantage, what he does oftentimes is to withdraw your peace. Or if he wants to move you to another phase of life, what he does is that he removes your satisfaction. No matter what you are doing, at whatever peak or level you desire to do them, you will not have that peace until you begin to press into that dimension. And when you come to that stadium, then it restores your job. Sometimes prayer is an investment you do for the future. So anytime you see that there is peace eluding you, then you have got to come to the place where you pray until you come into that terrain. I want us to run. Mark chapter 2. There are two statements I want you to see. Hallelujah. From verse 27 and 28. That scripture is to show us the value of God for mankind. It shows us that the reason why God put Sabbath in place, aside the fact that Sabbath is God's provisions for us, is to show his value for us. Is to show his will and intentions for you that you will not suffer. Is to give you a reserve in scarcity, a refuge in time of insecurity, safety in time of obscurity. All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, 28. Those two statements is what I want to pay attention to. And he said to them, Jesus Christ talking, the Sabbath, the rest. The Greek word is the word Sabbaton. The rest. Anyway, there are varieties of terms. At least there are about three Greek words. I'm going to show you as we, as we move on. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Rest is made for you. The way you are wired, you are wired to rest. Financially have rest. You must not work all through your days. I wish I can tell you the scripture where it is located. He said it is in vain for a man to wake in the to wake early in the morning and eat the bread of affliction and come late at night. Then he said that, but he gives his beloved rest. I think I should be able to look at that. To wake very early and eat the bread of affliction. So it does not make any sense if all you do is to labor and labor and labor and labor, and you cannot even you you, you cannot even um um reap the dividends of, of, of your labor. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He gives his beloved rest. Hallelujah. So God's intention for you is to rest. Is to rest. Is to rest. Psalm 127 verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. So he gives his beloved sleep. 
let's see another version i want us to simplify that because i want us to to draw out all the strength psalm 127 verse 2 let's see what the new living translation says and i'm i'm placing this emphasis so as to see god premium for you that he wants you to rest the sabbath is made for man rest is made for you and my goal is that you will be provoked to cry for this experience of rest because it's an experience you got to come into it psalm 126 verse 2 from the new living translation 127 verse 2 it is useless for you to walk so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. Ah, that is amazing. No? For God gives rest to his beloved ones. That, that, that is mind-blowing. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. So you should not just live for what to eat. Then the last statement says that for God gives rest to his beloved one. So you have got to let the rest of God factor into your labors. And I, I think that was what Jesus was saying when he said in Mark chapter 2 from verse 27 to 28. He said, the rest was made for man. Sabbath is meant for man. And not man for the rest. And not man for the rest. We are not just to labor, 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 work, and you know we keep everything we have, we have, we have gotten, then we die. We are not just laboring. You know, God is not just making us um, laborers. He wants us to work, 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 gather world, then we die. Go, then God will be happy in heaven that He has got some money. Yes, uh, Mister He had seven billion. Now he is dead. Now that billion, that money belongs to me. No, we are not working for Him. And that's why the scriptures told us that God rested from His work which He has started, not the rest in His work. To rest in his work means that he did all of these things so that he himself can survive. Just like a millionaire worked, okay, to, to save up for his old age. No, that was not what God was doing. He rested from his work so that you can rest in his work. The Sabbath was made for man. Rest was made for man. And man, and not man for Sabbath. Therefore, because of this, consequentially, Jesus, the son of man, is also the owner of the sabbath the giver of the sabbath that's all you heard i think it's worth it jesus is the giver of sabbath hallelujah in john chapter 19 verse 28 to 30 i've shown you how that jesus christ completed a mission for you and he said it is finished the struggle is over it's over in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, the scripture told us that at the told us that at the end of Sabbath, Jesus Christ rose. Who glory to God from the dead. At the end of Sabbath. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what is it about all of those? Jesus raising up at the end of the Sabbath tells you that the Sabbath is Jesus Christ's power in your life. And all of these scriptures are indicative of the spiritual realities available for you. They are substantial, although they are intangible. Hallelujah. 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, speaks of Sabbath as God's promise. As God's promise. It's God's promise to you. And that promise has been there from the foundation of the world. So it was not what God thought about when man started dying on time. Said, ah, these people are dying. Maybe they've been there because they're working too much. Okay, let me know. He said it was God's idea from the very beginning of creation. He factored rest for man. And that was why he made Adam to come the sixth day. He wants him to rest. He just wants him to come and behold the beauty and give names to animals and eat what he had put in place for him. May you not die early. And if you don't want to die early, you have got to come to the place where you pray yourself into the favor of God. That's another way to come into your Sabbath. Strong presence. So, you know, when you read from Hebrews chapter 4, 10 will not permit me to touch it, from verse 1 to 7, you see that there are two kinds of rest that was spoken to spoken about one is rest that has to do with the seventh day when god rested which he constituted in the law to moses that they have got to keep the sabbath holy that is Exodus chapter 20 then we also saw another rest the writer there refers to joshua who did not give them the rest although he gave them the land and we read that temporarily they had not not temporarily they had rest as long as they were in touch with god but all of those the seventh day rest of god after he had completed all things the rest that joshua promised to give them um, by giving them the land we are indicative of jesus's bringing us into rest and never you forget the word joshua means savior the Savior is the one that gives rest. And that Savior was not Joshua. Joshua was just part of the illustrations. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, the scripture told us that after Joshua apportioned the land to them, the people did not still have rest. Not because God did not have the power to suspend their enemies. I've showed you he did that. But that the rest was indicative of a spiritual reality which mankind must come into. So the rest is just beyond physical possession of real estate for the Jews or for the Hebrews. So the rest God promised them those days is for us today in Christ. If Joshua had given them the rest. So it was not the seventh day nor the, 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 the land allocated by Joshua to the people. It is the rest that was on the mind of God when he made all things available. The rest is not then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Nor in, in Exodus chapter 20. Nor in Joshua chapter 23, when Joshua gave them the land. The rest is in Jesus. The rest is in Jesus. That rest is given to us today in Christ. And you have the rest now. Jesus, the source of joy and confidence and security in the world, riddled and ripped apart by insecurity. And let me give you some signs of restlessness. The signs that you've not entered into rest is that you begin to be, be experiencing fear. You Maybe uh, periodic, let me, that's what I want to say, periodic fear. Tension, threat, uncertainty. Being worked up over nothing. Being bothered about things around you that are not working well. Or what you hear from the news or what people tell you. 
or comments about you. Lack, poverty, insufficiency, fear, lack of direction, anxiety, confusion, stagnation, fear of bills, indecision, confusion, delay, lack of satisfaction, struggle, wasted efforts. Too busy or being too busy to, to, to have time for God. They are all signs that you have not entered into the rest. And never you forget that the promise of God to the Jews in the wilderness and to their father was to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a land of rest, a land of peace, a land of safety, a land where they have not labored for, they have not planted grains to feed, they did not dig well. You know, they entered into this blessing because God had given it to them. Let me show you a few scriptures here. Exodus chapter 3. My God, please help us. I just I'm finding a, a very convenient place to 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 round off. Verse 8, they will read 17. So I have come down to deliver them out of the ends of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good land, to a land flame which make an awning to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. That was God's promise. Verse 17, God was telling them what he wants to give to them. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land they have not labored for. Verse 17, let's see verse 17. Now verse 17, And I have said I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt to the land of Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite, and the Hittite, and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, in other words, rest is God taking you out of affliction. He's bringing you to the place of largeness, to the place of enlarged capacity. So, I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the, from the hand of the Egyptians, and to the land of good and large. A land of good and large. A land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, nations that were larger than they are. So God intends to bring you to the place of enlarged capacity. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to see verse 10 and 11. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Sorry, chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. So it shall be when the Lord your God bring you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities. This rest. Which you did not build, houses full of gold things, which you did not fill, and outer wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and full, then be aware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the, from the house of bondage. Now, you know, what I'm turning your attention to here in the scripture is to show you that rest includes that which you receive from the Father you've not labored for, number one. And number two, that you must 
receive capacity, receive grace to be able to maintain and perpetuate that which God is giving to you. And I'm even showing you the nature of what we came to inherit in Christ. We came to inherit that which Christ had worked for us. The labor of Jesus for us. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Chapter 11. Verse 7. Hallelujah. Seven to sixteen. I wish we'll be able to read up to that. Hallelujah. Okay. Are you there? All right. But your eyes have seen every great art of the Lord which he did. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today. That you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by your foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drink water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares, the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey the commandment which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in a season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass into your field for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled, take it to yourself, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve all the gods and worship them. Lest the anger of the Lord be aroused against you and shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and land yielded no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving to you. Now, that, that, that's very important. When we talk of rest, we're talking of what the Father wants to give to you. Hallelujah. Let me stop here. Then, in the next teaching, we are going to look at some other things I'm not able to touch. I'm talking about the fact that you've got to rest in the fact that there is supernatural provision for you. Provision of health, of love, of sustainability, of resources. You never know it's there. So there is no need why you've got to be, you know, bothered about situations of things and conditions of things. You don't need to be worked up. All you need to do is to focus. There is help for you. There is provision for you. If your health is failing, you can come to Jesus. He's the physician. Your business is failing. Well, read up. Materials on management that will help you. But also, never you forget, there is a Sabbath. There's a place of rest. There's a place of rest. The Psalm 127 verse 2 says that it is in vain, it is useless to wake very early in the morning, come back late at night just because you want to eat. 
But he said that God gives his, his beloved rest. So God's will for you is rest. Let's round off by reading Hebrews chapter 4, which had been our primary text. And I'll read from the new KJV. Hallelujah. There's rest for you. If you have not heard me say anything, let this sink into your being, into your spirit. There is rest for me. Actually, this is a discussion that started from chapter 3, but you know, we can't go there. But let's just read. Maybe in the next study, we're going to see from chapter 3 in order to grasp all that God would have us grab. All right. Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 1 to 8. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, mark that word, a promise remains. It is there for you. It's an advert. God is running. Because it's available to the public. Let us fear. Let us be conscious. Lest any of you seems to have come short of it. You can come short of it. You can have it in certain areas of your life. And in certain areas, you don't have it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, nor being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter the rest, as I said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, now, now check it. The rest is linked with your faith in the gospel. Your faith in Jesus. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the head of the world. Now, one thing I want to pick here is that this rest is consequent upon the works of God. So the rest we have in Christ, the message of the gospel is consequent on what Jesus has done. So what we do is that we receive that which has been done on my behalf. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 again. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As I said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So when God was saying that they would not enter into his rest, he was talking not just of Palestine or the promised land, Canaan. He is talking about the provisions he had in place. So beside the real estate, he had a supernatural provision for them. They said, look. You won't enter this provision I have for you. And the reason why the writer is writing this is to tell you that there is a tendency that you don't enter that experience. Verse 4. For he has spoken a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from his works. Not he rested in his work from his work. And you know, it, 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 it meant two ideas. One, God rested from his work as a sense of relaxation, showing us a pattern of, of rest. And two, as a way of saying that God had put everything you need in place, then he rested. And again, showing us the fact that God does not want us to walk all through life without having time to rest to enjoy that which we've worked for. Those three ideas. And God rested on the seventh day from his work. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. Some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter it because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David. Today, after such a long time, it has been said. 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not add in your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, and he who has entered his rest as himself ceased from his work as God did from his. Let's read from verse 11 through 13. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Now check the word, be diligent. Ensure, do everything it will take you to enter the rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a designer of the thoughts and intent of the earth. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, the, the truth of the scripture is that there is a rest for you. And those who have entered into this rest do rest from their own work, just as he did from his. So there is rest for you. Rest for you. Hallelujah, there is rest. There is rest for me. So you can rest really. You can rest really. Help me to come into your rest. In every sea of my life, I choose to enter that terrain of rest. I choose not to be disturbed. I choose not to be walked up over nothing. Help me to perpetually walk in your rest. Help me to perpetually focus on the which you make available by thy strength. And by the strength alone.